0: Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions, and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. <laughs> Hello, it's Alexa here and today I am joined by a voice coach who has performed as a gigging musician, backing vocalist, session singer and recording artist. She is driven to equip singers with tools for optimal performance for the stage and studio with an emphasis on the well-being of the whole self and improving confidence. I'd like to give a big welcome to Hannah Smichel of Vocal Performance Coaching. Hannah, it's so lovely to be with you this afternoon and how are you? Oh, hi, Alexa. I'm really well, thank you. It's great to be here today. Thank you for having me. No problem. You are running a really exciting in-person event on the 2nd of April in Manchester called Empowering the Singer. And this is with our very own founder, Lynn Hilton. Um, So can you tell us why this event is so important and what it's going to involve?
1: Yes, of course. So we are really excited to do something in person. It's been such a long time hasn't it? Gathering singers, gathering together as singers, vocalists, performers and teachers as well, Um, coaches, people who work with the voice. Um, We're excited to do it in person because we can now. Um, I think lots of us who have taken training or courses, workshops um, have largely done that online for the past two years. And while that has been great and it's been brilliant to be able to access training and resources online. There's nothing quite like being in the same room uh, as people, as singers, finding that um, camaraderie, empathy, exploring uh, things together, networking as well, you know, um, finding common ground with people in the same space as you, which is always wonderful. And so, yes, we're excited to do that. And the theme is called Empowering the Vocalist. Um, And I think globally (laughs) we've all taken um well those of us in the arts those of us in music um have all taken the pandemic quite hard in terms of our industry you know lots of um singers that I work with have been out of work lots of performers that I work with have had shows closed tours closed gigging venues have been shut we've been quite limited in terms of what we can do creatively um, and our ability to perform has, you know, essentially all ground to a halt for a large period over the last two years. Um, this has had a massive impact, um, I think, emotionally on lots of performers um, that I work with, Um financially obviously. Um, and then I think you know in terms of our um, physicality, our vocal um, ability, our um, you know our performance, it's also impacted on um, us in terms of wondering have I still got it? you know what's my stamina gonna be like when I return to gigging you know a kind of an average function gig? Um, If somebody's doing, say, a private function, might be, say, a two-hour set. So two one-hours or two 45-minute sets. And there's been lots of questions around, you know, am I going to be able to deliver on what I once used to be able to deliver? Um, And that can be really hard um, when people are returning back into the world of performing, which thankfully we are getting those opportunities again now. It has definitely been quite difficult for performers to re-enter that world um, and find their feet again and find their stamina, find their, um, you know, optimal performance. I think it has been a challenge for people that I've been working with. Um, And also, you know, the themes of confidence, the themes of performance anxiety, um, self-acceptance have been a really common denominator for singers and performers that I've worked with over the years, even before the pandemic. Um, I think for me, you know, and for lots of the um, performers that I work with, we're conscious around our voice in terms of it being a human instrument. It's the only human instrument. You know, our voice largely represents us, our identity, our sound, our emotion, um, it's part of ourself. And when we give that, we give that, we share that, it can be quite a vulnerable experience for lots of people. And so I think a combination of singers, performers, returning back to work, returning back to choirs, returning back to um, open mics and uh, enjoying performing again, um, and a sort of sense of trepidation, questioning around ability, around uh, kind of emotional um, capacity and security, getting back to performing again, and just um, generalized performance anxiety and, and confidence issues in general with performers. I think those two things um, together sort of presented a really great opportunity for us to explore that with performers and provide an opportunity for us to really um, resource and equip both singers and teachers and coaches um, who want to explore a little bit more in this area about their own performance or the performance of the students or singers that they work with. So that's generally what the day is gonna be about and why we decided that we wanted to look at this particular topic uh, first.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it sounds really invaluable and it's going to be really special being back in person. Um, I never thought that I would anticipate the sweet spray of a lip trill from someone else quite as much <laughs> when I went back to teaching in person and, you know, still, I still like keep your distance. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so when a singer lists their goals, um, I don't know about your experience, but I've always found that confidence creeps up almost. Every time. Mm. Um, so when somebody says they're lacking confidence or they have certain feelings, but they don't know what that particular thing relates to, what are the typical symptoms and experiences of someone who who has low self-esteem in their voice or is lacking that, that certain performance confidence?
1: That is a great question. And um, I think really from my experience, it's entirely individual um, there will be performers that have experienced maybe a sense of negative critique or feedback potentially um, that could be from a broad range of places it could have been maybe an audition where they had some rather untamed feedback or some unsolicited advice or some you know negative criticism that felt like it was maybe quite personal or quite judgmental or or maybe it was fair and if someone has a particular insecurity around their voice or themselves or imi- their self image that could have resonated quite strongly and then from there we might build a sort of a bit of a, a narrative around that and um, and expect that to happen again so it could be that somebody's had maybe a yeah a negative experience maybe an audition a performance a recording opportunity or something like that um but you know it is very very individual and um we are complex and you know i do like to take a holistic um perspective when we're thinking about singing and working with voices in terms of holistic being the whole person and our emotional and mental well-being is going to largely impact as well on our ability to sing, our ability to perform freely and to engage with uh, our material, to engage with our audience. Um, and, you know, it might be at that time somebody is going through something traumatic, stressful, a difficult home life situation um, and that therefore may be impacting on a person's ability to um to deliver, to commit to their material, to their um, performance opportunity. Um, There are lots of different nuances as to why somebody may struggle with um, low self-esteem around confidence and performance. Um, I've had singers who um, have had experiences as young as two or three that they can remember where there's been um, a school performance, for instance, or even preschool or nursery, um, where they've been asked to go on a stage or an environment where parents and people are watching them, um, and then they felt overwhelmed in that situation. And that very feeling of being overwhelmed in a public space, in a public um, you know, viewing space where they've got people watching them, has then stayed with them for a long time um, and gone through their formative years into being an adult, and then therefore they're feeling very limited, feeling very um, exposed or conscious, even insecure around them being in those spaces again. Because very much like it's almost in their body, a sense of trauma or a sense of um, challenge when it comes to being in those places. The, um, you know, the sense of anxiety creeping back in again because it's a, a physical trigger from a, a physical experience that they previously had. You know, um, we're very complex, <laughs> very complex human beings and, and our mental and emotional health um, and our physical health and our vocal health are all intrinsically linked. Um, and so sometimes it might not just be that one thing, that one time um, that can impact upon um our ability to then continue to deliver public performances or, you know, performances in any capacity. It could be a series of events where we feel that that same thing keeps happening. And then because of a catalog of experiences, we then have this informed narrative that says, do you know, every time I'm in this scenario, this thing happens and therefore I expect this outcome to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that often then can happen um, and sometimes we see regular occurrences of that thing that we almost dread then come to pass quite regularly so yeah there's lots of different nuances and lots of ways in which somebody may be uh, affected and may see that um sort of transpire in their life and it is really quite difficult and um, then when we are in a place where we are experiencing our um performance anxiety and, and these, um, you know, moments where we get affected by being in public. And that could be in public in that there's one or two people listening. I know that some people find even vocal coaching sessions um, quite an- anxiety inducing. Um, you know, there's a person listening to you the fear of judgment is a big one you know quite often people will say when they come in you know oh like don't don't judge me don't judge me for this i'm like i'm not i'm absolutely not here to judge you you know i'm i'm here to listen and observe and support you and resource you um you know so even just in an environment where there's one person and i have had people even on online coaching who've asked to turn their camera off when singing as well um for that fear of judgment and being in front of somebody it can be very nerve-wracking for a million different reasons and we've all got one or two or three um and i think it's a, a very individual process to lend yourself to and how prepared you are to kind of explore that and and um you know how willing you are to go on that process of um um exploring those things and and how um somebody working with you could help to resource you in those areas and to touch on those uh those singers who might
0: be having some, some issues in their private life. How do you, as the vocal coach, address that, but in a way where you don't then become the therapist or the counselor or kind of step outside of a zone that you're not necessarily in?
1: Mm, absolutely. Yes, it can be a challenging one to navigate because we do, I think, in our nature, want to help. We want to, um, provide a safe space and that's really important, a welcoming space, um, a space where somebody can be in whatever mood mode that they're in and they can feel supported. However, we do need to stay in our lane, like you said, in terms of, we do need to understand the, um, difference between, you know, being a listener and being a counsellor. And there is a very clear difference, you know, um, one is qualified to do that role and one is not. (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, that is really important. And in fact, to help with my um, approach to listening, um, a few years ago, I did go back to college to uh, study, to study listening skills, to study counselling concepts and counselling skills. Um, And I took on board some extra training there so that I could be a better listener in that respect. Um, And so I am mindful when there is um, a client... Who comes in that is wanting a space to to talk and share, um, but there are moments where I do feel it's important for me to step in and say, um, "Hey, we're gonna um, you know change the focus slightly here." Or I hear what you know, I hear what you're saying, um, and I'm mindful that you're feeling upset today. How do you feel in terms of progressing with the session today? And I might let the client um, decide where they want to go if they're feeling particularly emotional for instance and I know when you, I don't know whether you feel emotional and you feel that sensation of a lump in your throat or maybe you feel like a dry mouth, you know, it's not optimal singing conditions. but we're humans and we carry the day with us. And we can't expect that when everyone comes for a session that they're gonna be ready to just jump straight in and belt something out, you know? Um, and so I do like to check in with my clients at the start and say, how are you doing today? How has your week been? You know, just getting a sense of where are you at today? And um, and whether that is a it's a great space for vocalizing, whether that's feeling like it's a healthy space, whether maybe we need to take a slightly different focus, so maybe not straight into vocalizing, straight into vocal exercises. Maybe there are some other things around the creative process themselves as an artist, Um, maybe some breathing techniques. You know, if somebody's feeling particularly um, anxious or emotional, um, maybe we could, um, you know, responsibly lend ourselves in that way and say, let's take the focus off the mechanics And maybe we can do a little bit of, you know, some breathing exercises, some accent method or something that feels it's appropriate. It's important to meet the singer where they're at and respond to them. Human to human, essentially, we know, we're person to person, aren't we? Um, But also it's important to, you know, um, affirm to them that, you know, this isn't a therapeutic space in, in that way. And if they do feel like they need some support, Than to be able to recommend maybe um, somebody in your local area or an organization like BAPAM, for instance, um, who could maybe point them in the right direction of um, a therapist or counselor who could um, work with them if that was something that they felt was um, appropriate for them. But yeah, it is quite difficult to... um, navigate those challenges when somebody does come to a session who is feeling um, burdened Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not ready to sing straight away and asking them maybe how do you feel and how would you like to spend your time today how can I um, help you um with your you know singing or whatever it is you're f- that you're focusing on at that point how can i help you with this today do you feel like this is the right time to explore that today um, they're probably good questions to think about um when a singer is with you and in your space mm-hmm. and i'd also say not being afraid of giving the singer or the client space in terms of silence quite often we can be a little bit um overwhelmed by awkward silences or pauses Um, but they are useful moments particularly if somebody's feeling quite you know emotional or overwhelmed to just have a pause um, before you move on or move them out of that space we're just going to be respectful allow them to be in the space um, you know just giving them that moment to process or just a moment of quiet or a moment of reflection Um, if they feel that's or if you feel that's appropriate in facilitating that space.
0: Yeah, I like that. And and to be kind of a bit more generalised and generic about this next question, kind of what's your, do you have a a, a top tip or a particular um, approach that works for you with your clients in terms of enhancing confidence, increasing that self-belief?
1: Um. Well, much like the last question, I think it's always about meeting the client where they're at. Um, And we are very complex and we'll all have our, um, you know, we've all had our individual journey, our individual way in to where we're at and our level of confidence, our level of esteem, our level of self-acceptance. And so, yeah, I think respecting that is really important. That particular client, might not know (laughs) why they've arrived um, at where they're at um, or what those influences are. And so I think allowing them to um, have a space to think about what their priority is um, and being directed by them for me is how I work with a client. So, you know, there might be a singer who really wants to work on um, an opportunity for a performance but is really quite scared about it um, so they will have reasons as to why <laughs> they might be scared about it now you know first of all we kind of need to know if they're you know well what their priority is like what's the goal is the goal um, you know to, to to be on a stage is it, um you know what's what's the goal is the goal more technical is it that they actually want to achieve a particular um quality in the song or you know w- working out what their priority is and what their sense of priority is and then kind of working back from that um so I think in terms of a strategy and like if I could give away one thing it's really difficult to pinpoint that down because I think um I'm very much a client-led coach and I much prefer the client to to guide, um, the sense of direction and then me to give them the resources that they need in order to get to where they want to go. So I don't know whether it'd be helpful to almost talk about, um, um an, an, an example, um, yeah. of a, of a client. So, um, they, um, previously, um, had audition experiences that they weren't necessarily happy with. Um, and we we sort of figured out in our coaching that um, actually they were feeling more nervous because they were experiencing um, singing in front of people. Um, and I think it comes down to that fear of judgment, doesn't it? Um, you know, everybody has different reasons as to why they don't like to sing in front of people. But I think that fear of judgment and that fear of... Um, not knowing what that somebody might say was was quite daunting. And I think in that respect, it's quite difficult to emulate those feelings of performance anxiety. You know, we kind of want to have the experience, that physical experience of being um in that space so that we can almost overcome it if that makes sense but actually to experience the fear of judgment we kind of have to be in a place where we're being judged and um, which is awful you know it's kind of like exposure therapy isn't it um and just hoping that you'll have more good experiences than bad experiences if you like um but she decided that she would actually like to work towards a performance so recently um we we did that and we put um a goal in mind that we would prepare a, a, a song or two for a performance. And, um, I helped her to source a, uh, a performance opportunity. Um, we put the date in the diary and then we formulated a plan. We worked backwards in terms of, okay, so here's our venue, here's our date, here's our opportunity to perform, you know, and getting really prepared. And I think for me, like preparation is a massive, um, part i guess if there was a top tip my top tip was to is to be prepared (laughs) Um, the more prepared you are for a particular performance recording opportunity um, what we want to do with our preparation is to minimize the variables and minimize the opportunity for things to come in and make us feel anxious so it's almost like the the more things that we can almost um lend our hand to the more things that we've got experience in before the run-up to a particular performance or event the more prepared the more um positioned we're going to feel um to actually do that thing So we did, we formulated a plan, we put um, a strategy in place in terms of how many lessons we needed on each song, what particular vocal techniques we needed to explore to um, master the particular song. We looked at, you know, I said, what accompanist are you going to have? Are you going to have backing tracks? So we saw some backing tracks, we made sure that they were in a, a format that the venue was happy to take and all that kind of thing and and um, there were lots of considerations that we put in to minimize those variables for anxiety because when you go to a venue or to an audition or to a studio there will be things that will happen outside of our control you know maybe there's a traffic jam maybe the tube line's start. um you know maybe you've woken up and your voice is a little bit croaky, maybe you've got a block notes, maybe, I don't know, maybe you've got a stain on your top and, you know, that's then in your head and oh gosh, your battery's died and, you know, there's all sorts of things that can go on and so we want to prepare, prepare, prepare in those areas that we can to minimise that on the day or on the job, when we're doing the thing, there's going to be stuff that happens, right? It's just typical. So the more prepared we are, and the more avenues that we've explored beforehand, to make us feel like, I've got my songs, I've got my gear, I've got, I know my venue, I know my, uh, you know, you've got all your ducks lined up. Then when the thing happens, and we maybe start to feel some of those anxieties creep in, all those things that come into our head and want to tell us certain things that aren't very pleasant, you know, we know that we can almost speak some truth back to it and we can say, do you know, I'm fully prepared for this. This song's in the right key for me. These pictures, they're great pictures for me. You know, I've got everything I need to be able to do this song. I'm fully prepared. And actually, nothing can, nothing can knock me right now because I'm the strongest and I'm the most prepared for this performance that I've ever been and so when those little variables want to come and creep in and tell us otherwise we can reassure ourselves and affirm ourselves that actually we've done everything that we could possibly do really to make that performance a positive experience um, and one that um, is going to be really masterful and so she did she did her performance she did great and we're now looking at the next one (laughs) and so one thing that I talked to her about was now we've likely going to be changing venues, changing um the variable again. And so I said, you know, why not pop down to the open mic before you perform? Go on a week when you're not going on. Let, what does the journey look like? Are you going to go by car? What's your you know what's your route going to be like? Where are you going to park if you're parking? What's the walk from the station like? What about meeting the um promoter, the booker? You know, make a little bit of rapport with them. Um if you're going to be performing with a backing track, what would be the um, uh, format maybe? Are you able to plug in with your phone? Do you need to bring an adapter? What is the cable like? Do you need to take your own microphone? You know, all these little things, these nuances um, that then when you arrive to the venue for your first time, well, it won't be your first time because you already know and you will have already made that contact with maybe the promoter or the booker and you'll know where to park and you'll know you know you've got the gear you've got your lead yourself you're ready to go and it can just be a breeze so I think preparation is massive and thinking about all those considerations that you um might take for granted in the moment that we don't really think is preparing actually is really helpful in terms of preparation and that's outside of your actual vocal preparation and your voice work as well but i would say just as important because it's those things that can really throw us off and if we get thrown off sort of in our headspace, then the next thing to go is going to be our voice um, and so yeah i would definitely um recommend as much preparation as possible
0: and on reflection um I was thinking about this ahead of speaking with you today and and thinking about my own kind of journey with helping people with confidence. Um, And I remember getting a few comments from, from clients or their parents saying their confidence is so much better. Thank you so much for helping them with their confidence. And after that, I thought, I don't think I've done anything to deserve that <laughs> like, right. I, on it. I, don't, I haven't done any particular exercises. I haven't, haven't particularly done anything specific. And I was thinking, well, what, what could it have been then? Um, and it brought me onto the idea of the environment that we create, um, mm. in the space and how with, with, with clients, you know, we do have a laugh. Um, it's, it comes across hopefully and and it reflects in the comments that it's safe that you make a mistake actually we have a choice of how we can react to that um and if it ends up being something that we can laugh about in a jovial way and non-judgmental way or where you realize that happened and nothing else happened after that yeah Um, So it it did bring me on to the idea of this environment that we create um, Mm. and and how important is that for us as coaches to set that up and take us out of the equation? Uh, And as you say, be client led. What can we do there to kind of set up that atmosphere
1: for them? Yeah, I think rapport is really important. Um, And for me, something that I introduced a while back now um, is actually marking out the first session and um, almost marketing it as a consultation session. And so a first session, if someone is booking in with me, is slightly longer. <laughs> so we're looking at 75 minutes so that we can just slow things right down. And we're going to go at a pace that feels respectful and it's going to feel, um, you know, it's going to feel a little bit more relaxed. It's going to be more chat than sing, is what I, I say generally on a first session. And the reason I do this is because I find that actually... Taking the time right at the beginning to establish, um, well, their expectations, my expectations, a sense of working relationship together, um, maybe a bit of my personality, maybe a bit of their personality, and finding out about them, giving them space to tell me their story and what brings them to coaching really then gives me a lot of information about the client in terms of how well then I can tailor their coaching, their training, what kind of language they use, um, you know, in terms of maybe how they would describe their voice um, what maybe previous experience they've had, any particular training, Um So, ahead of a first session as well, ahead of that consultation, I'll send them a consultation form. Um, And there's a handful of questions in there. So, you know, you've got your basics, you know, your uh, name and age and email and phone number. But then we're thinking about what's brought you to coaching. You know, and then that gives me an idea of what are their priorities what are their frustrations what are their um one of my questions is what are your areas of challenge you know vocally what what is it that you're struggling with what are the what is it that you're wrestling with then i want to know about their previous experience i want to know about their aspirations as well you know what is it that you want from your voice what do you want to do your performance and career goals and then one of my favorite questions is how do you feel about your voice And that's a big one. (laughs) Um, Some people like to just write, it's okay, and then they move on. (laughs) Um, And then we review these questions in the consultation session. So I just find out just that little bit more about why it's okay, full stop. Um, And some people like to write half a page um, on just where they're at with their headspace and their voice. And again, taking this time right at the beginning for me at the start of a coaching relationship is really important because um, it actually shortcuts some of the work. So you can get straight into it after taking some time there. Maybe you want to go into some vocal exercises. Maybe you want to explore their vocal range and look at those priorities that they've already outlined for you. That is a concern, a challenge, a frustration for them um, or working towards their aspirations. Maybe you can draw some goals from that. But I think creating that safe space right at the beginning for them to share their story, a little bit about them, their experience, their expectations, what they want out of their coaching process. And then for you to offer, well, this is how I'm going to help you with that. I'd love to help you with that. I'd love to partner with you on that. And these are some ways that I can resource you in that way. Does that sound good? Does does that sound like it aligns with your um, expectations, your approach, um, your values? Great. Let's get stuck in, you know? Um, So that's something that I do um, for every new client. um, And we make that time right at the beginning. And it does actually shortcut some of that process then because you're not then finding out things on the way and then putting the piece of the puzzle together as you're going along. You're already aware of maybe what challenges may arise or what technical applications you might want to use um, for the client's particular aspiration or challenge that they have with their voice so it helps you also tailor their coaching and and work with them at their own pace um according to their aspirations so that's something that i find really valuable and um and do that um at the beginning of every um new client's uh coaching sessions wonderful Great. Um and
0: I've actually got a couple of scenarios to throw if you like. Um knowing that these things are quite individual as you've explained uh, and every every situation is very different. I've just got two scenarios here that I'd love your kind of quick fire thoughts on as to where you would take this uh and and start your confidence building journey. Um so the first one is a, a client has aspirations to be a singer songwriter. And they express uh, feeling very comfortable when singing at home on their own, but have intense worries of performing in front of other people. No one specific, just other individual eyes set upon them. How can we help them start to overcome this? And and you touched a little bit on that earlier in terms of this idea of almost practicing the anxiety uh, and starting to just get yourself into those situations. Um, And it reminded me a little bit of a technique in CBT therapy, about how if you have a particular anxiety around you know going somewhere or doing something sometimes the advice might be and i'm not a cbt therapist (laughs) um, is to practice the anxiety so you can then put into practice the coping mechanisms
1: yeah so you know obviously we Put the disclaimers out there. We're not therapists, people. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely obviously this is a um fictitious uh, case study here. Um it would largely depend on their like emotional and, and mental well-being and and if there are any other considerations that we might want to think about with this particular client. Um but if if none of that applied, I, I do have worked with somebody in that exact scenario. They were an online client. Um, and they weren't they weren't in the same vicinity uh, as me, um, and it was great to be able to work with them. They were a singer songwriter. They were in a band, and they wanted to get back to performing. Sort of post pandemic, get back to writing, get back to performing. But the challenge is uh, hate performing, <laughs> and it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I I don't know about you, but I do hear that a lot. I love writing. I love singing. Hate performing. And there was a strong dislike for being in front of people. Um, And so we did the kind of very slowly, slowly, gently, gently, what do you feel comfortable with? And even just singing in front of me on Zoom was tricky at times, you know? Um, So even that in itself was a sharing and that was a public um, sharing and a public performance. So then I suggested that maybe, how would it feel for them to um, do that? Share one of their new songs, one of their new writings with um, a trusted and uh, supportive friend or family member who would have their back. Not that they would just be like, oh yeah, that was awesome because that was the right thing to say. Um, But just getting into the um, opportunity of just sharing with somebody else that also felt like it was a safe space Um, and so I suggested maybe doing uh, a phone call if they found the video um, element of things quite difficult or challenging Um, and so they did Um, and so maybe it might be that a phone call singing down the phone to um, a trusted safe person that you feel comfortable with voice note. Doing a little voice note, cheeky WhatsApp, you know, and and sending over a voice note of a new song or something like that could be useful. Or, yeah, if on the screen it feels still scary, but a little bit more comfortable than being in the same room as somebody. Then maybe doing a video recording that you could record and then send at another time when they can they can watch it in their own time, or even like a you know a Zoom or a FaceTime where you can do that on a screen. And if that kind of feels like it's a little bit safer because they're not in the same space as you, um, then that might be a, a great way to just start. Just start, just start getting out there um, and being in front of people that you feel are trusted and then building it up from there, you know, maybe doing it to some people that maybe you don't know as well. Um, And then thinking about, you know, the maybe open mic nights, auditions and performances later, but getting used to the sense of sharing uh, your songs and your music or, you know, covers or whatever material it is that you like to perform with those um that you that you love and 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 trust um for some people i will say the caveat of that is actually more scary than singing to strangers (laughs) and so if for you you're one of those people who like to sing in front of strangers then uh do not do that. (laughs) Again, it's very individual. And I would say, you know, like one of my clients wants to sing at an open mic night, there is one at the bar that she works at. But I was like, let's not do it there. (laughs) If she feels like it's too overwhelming to sing in front of people that she knows. So we've literally talked about one, the other side of the city so that she can literally be as far away from people that she knows as possible. But still get the performance experience, so yeah, little increments build it up in the places that you feel safe um, and you know you can just let 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 that performance out, let that let that guard down and and you feel um happy to do that, yeah, and as teachers, it can just put it on the on the teacher head for
0: a second uh, as teachers we we can sometimes get in the space of oh my goodness, i 've got to get this person really quickly to the end goal. Uh, and I'm they're, they're giving me their money, they're spending their time with me, I have to get them there quickly. Um, otherwise we can get those feelings ourselves of, oh, I'm not a very good teacher, or I'm, am I wasting their money? But actually it's really good for us to remember that even them singing a note or doing something that has upped their confidence, even just minimally in terms of how they feel, mm-hmm. is our job done in that mm-hmm. session. Uh, doesn't matter if you if you don't get to the end goal mm. quickly, quickly. It's it's their journey and just putting it
1: into the client-led scenario as you're saying. Um, yeah, and that consultation, um, those questions, those open questions, reflective questions, that's not just for session one. That's every session, it's all the way through the coaching relationship. And you know, if you're not quite sure about um whether you're feeling that they are getting that value or if you're feeling like you're not sure if they're feeling like they're progressing, just ask them, you know, we've got to put our egos aside and go, hey, do you know what? How are you finding, how are you finding your coaching? How are you finding these sessions? You know, do you feel like you're getting closer to to your goals? Um, How is the pace for you? You know, um, would you like to would you like to move uh, any quicker through this? Or are you feeling like you're happy with what we're exploring at the moment? You know, or, or phrase it however you like and however you'd feel comfortable as the teacher. But, you know, always check in with them, you know, and um, make sure that they're happy continuing working at the pace that you are on the material that you are. Or maybe they'll just say, actually I'd I'd quite like to change it up can we do something different or can we look at you know if you're looking at a particular vocal quality they might want to do the opposite or you know always reflect it back to them and 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 check in with them and how they feel about the process and whether um, actually they would rather rather do something else. Mm.
0: And just the last scenario um, I've been contacted by a potential new client who has experienced a confidence knock. She Mm -hmm. had really great confidence before this particular experience Uh, but she's now received negative comments after a performance which she thought went really well. Mm. Now doesn't trust herself and is feeling anxious about performing again. So with somebody who actually didn't have confidence issues that were debilitating, but now is starting to really question Mm. everything that she felt before and and losing trust in herself.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really difficult, isn't it? Um, I would quite like to understand why I'd quite like to understand not that it's you know it's not my scope of practice to then therapize that person but I would quite like to understand what it was about the particular comments that held so much weight that now it is affecting her personal belief um you know maybe were those people that gave feedback maybe quite significant in their field or you know did they they carry some um you know uh prestige around around them and therefore that carried a lot uh you know a lot heavier than maybe just their parents (laughs) feeding back to them or, or 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 us as the teacher you know what was it that actually took them out you know what was it that was the debilitating thing And then I would want to explore the legitimacy of that comment. You know, um, I was at a event this weekend (laughs) where there was some feedback from uh, somebody who was, uh, you know, seen as a sort of a legitimate um, person that carried quite a lot of weight for these young performers. And some of the feedback that he gave to the young performers after they'd taken to the stage, which was an unmiked situation on a very large space in a huge capacity room, was you need to project more, you need to push harder and use more breath. Now, um, there's lots to be said about that. But what I will say is, because it came from somebody that um was in a in a role that carried authority um it all is very challenging um it's very difficult to challenge um that sense of feedback or sense of um critique um and and that can be quite troubling for for coaches when people have that um feedback because you know um how can we help a client that then um takes that on board and it's like, right, I must project more, I must push more, I must work harder, when actually they might actually need to do the opposite. If you know them and you know their vocal range, you know their skill set, their capacity, their... um, their vocal quality it m- that might not be the right thing for them actually in context and in the context of a performance there might be a lot more going on for them their nerves their anxiety their what they've eaten they're looking out into the audience There might you know there might be 101 things going on for them why they might not have quote unquote you know not projected or not pushed more or, or whatever the piece of advice was that they were given um so, yeah, I would probably want to explore why that carried so much weight and the legitimacy of that piece of feedback and whether that is actually appropriate for them. Um, and if it is and it did carry legitimacy, then how can we equip them to actually get toward that piece of feedback if that is going to be a helpful and useful and resourceful thing for them to take on board and um, But if it's not, then we need to throw it out, (laughs) and we need to speak some truth again to that client and say, "Hey, do you know what? Um, You know that piece of feedback, that piece of um, critique was subjective. Um, It was from that person's point of view, from their experience, and with their ears, um, and that's okay." Um, Sometimes we can agree, sometimes we can disagree, Um, but it is largely subjective. You know, that's why kind of sometimes feedback critique can be really damaging. Um, And if she was quite settled in her own sense of self, ability, confidence, performance, then that's great. And then reaffirming all of those truths that have not changed since that one piece of feedback and affirming all the wonderful things um, that she is able to do that she does well um yeah and just and, and working on those those things and reaffirming some of those things that you know she was really happy believing um so yeah almost playing a little bit of detective around you know um what what was it that destabilized that confidence um and why and if it's particularly around a sense of Somebody with authority or legitimacy in an industry, um, then looking at you know, well, does that actually ring true in the context of this performer? It might have been in the one scenario that they'd heard them in. Maybe you know, maybe it was terrible. I don't know. You know, <laughs> we all have bad days. Come on, we're humans, right? Um, but it almost lends no grace for um, the bad day, right? And so, if you have a long-standing relationship and coaching relationship with that performer, I think your your opinion or your professional advice actually carries and should carry more weight because you're there for them you're there to support them you're there to cheerlead and champion them and you know them and you know their vocal range and you know their um capacity um so actually you can really um use that to shine a light on some truth there and and um you know bring about some um yeah some truth want to bust the myths um and and make sure that they're feeling affirmed and and um reassured about what they are really good at um so yeah that's the the road I would take with that one Brilliant. Well, Hannah, thank you so much
0: for for the time. And Empowering the Singer will be happening in Manchester on the 2nd of April. Uh, And if you're listening to this before this date, then you're in luck because you can head straight to your BAST membership to receive your special discount code. And we'll put a link in the show notes also to get your tickets again if you're listening before the time. Uh, But Hannah, where can people find out more about you and get in touch with any questions that they may have?
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, I love a bit of Instagram, so you can find me at Vocal Performance Coaching. Um, My website also is vocalperformancecoaching.com. Amazing. Thank you so much and good luck for the event. Thank you so much. Dear fellow curious voice
0: nerd. Have you got your ticket to our next event yet? Well, head over to www.bastraining.com forward slash store and we'll save you a seat. That's www.basttraining.com forward slash store. Don't worry, you haven't totally missed out on our past events. A recording is waiting for you there too. You probably want to sign up to our mailing list though, just to make sure you never miss another cordial invitation. So follow the link in our podcast description to join. See you at the next one.